what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. Across from me is Chris Fry. We are co-directors and co-founders of the Foot Candle Film Society and the Foot Candle Film Festival coming up September 2023. We'll talk about that a little bit later, I'm sure. I'm sure Chris will do a plug for the festival as we get a little deeper into the show here. So, yeah. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm always ready to talk movies. So. Well, then you're in the right place. Then. You <laughs> came to the right recording studio because that is what we're going to do today Excellent. is talk about movies. Uh, we have two films we'll be reviewing in this episode of Foot Candle Films. First up will be the latest in the Rocky slash Apollo slash now Creed saga. It is Creed 3, starring Michael B. Jordan and directed by Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Then we'll be moving on to the film To Leslie, which we'll give a little news background on that film. You may have heard some rumblings about this film, especially when it comes to Oscar nominations, mainly for its lead actress, Andrea Riseborough. But we'll be discussing that film, To Leslie, directed by Michael Morris, uh, after we discuss Creed. Then after that, I know, Chris, we've got a couple of upcoming films that trailers have been released for that we wanted to kind of share with the audience and talk about a little bit on our perceptions of what we see. And then we'll be moving on to our recommendations of the episode. Chris has a great recommendation for us. I have bumpkiss. I have nothing. It is all Chris's show today on Uh-oh. the... Uh, <laughs> It's going to be all Chris's show on the recommendations at the end of the show today, but I'm anxious to hear what you've got to share with us for that. So that is what we're going to be doing. Creed three to Leslie, a couple of trailers and Chris's recommendation. So Chris, are you ready to roll right into this? Sure. Let's do it. All right, here we go up with the first film. It is Creed three. That's life. Cause this is a war. It's a fight, it's a battle. So, how long have you known each other? It was like brothers. Creed 3, the latest film in the RCU, that's the Rocky Cinematic Universe. I'm just going to go with that. Finds Adonis or Donnie, to his friends, Creed, thriving as a retired boxer turned business and family man. When Damien, a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, resurfaces, so does their shared troubled past. Alan, this is the third film in the franchise. I believe we reviewed Creed 2, if not Creed 1, but we've Mm -hmm. seen all these films. And I have seen some of the original Rocky films. I'm not sure how many of those that you've seen, but uh, how does this entry work for you? What, uh, what was your experience with Creed three? Um, Creed three. So I, um, I, I generally like sports movies. Okay. I have generally liked the Rocky franchise. I mean, I've got fond memories of, 
one, two, three, and even four, as corny sometimes as number four could get, it was still, you know, hit me at the right age growing up where it was kind of the movie I saw several times in the theater and, and enjoyed. Um, I kind of lost a little bit of touch with uh, Mr. Balboa after number four. I believe there were two more after that, Rocky Five, and then there was one just called Rocky Balboa. Yes. Did not okay. see either of those, but I did get back into the swing of things. Like punching swings. Nice. I did that. Yep. Uh, with Creed. And I remember really liking the original Creed just because I thought it was a nice uh, kind of a, you could call it a reboot because it was kind of taking a very similar story to the original Rocky franchise, but obviously using it with a character that it's a descendant of somebody from the original ones. Creed two, I, I thought was fine. It was okay. Nothing to write home about did not bowl me over. I did not enjoy it as much as I did the first original Creed. So here we are Creed three. You're asking my opinion on this. Chris, I think I'm just going to adopt a terminology here hmm. that I'm going to start using. This, doesn't, sound, this, this doesn't sound like it's going anywhere good. Well, I've <laughs> used this word before and I've kind of gotten berated by other people. And, and you've made comments too that, you know, using this word is just like, it sounds like the kiss of death. It's like saying oh. that it's a, it's a word that makes it sound like it's, it's the F word, isn't it? Yeah, it is the F word. And, but I, I want to put a spin on this word. Okay? okay. This is what, this is what this F word, the word is fine. Fine is a positive term. Fine means acceptable. Fine means uh, it did what it needed to do. And I thought this so movie... So fine better than meh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Meh is like, uh, there's really nothing there okay. of interest. Fine is, it's fine. It does the job. This is a film that I... Pretty much knew where this film was going to go. I felt like I knew where it was going to end. Would I have liked to have done a little something a little more interesting and different with the story that I thought it was really set up to do? Yeah, I would have liked that. Do I feel like at the end of the day, it was a satisfying boxing movie? Do I feel like it had some satisfactory performances? And I thought, you know, the act, the, the fighting scenes were intriguing and fun to watch. Yeah, so it was fine. It did what it needed to do. I had a good time with it. There's a lot of missed opportunities with this film. A lot of things this film could have chosen to do. And there were moments I thought it was going there, which leads me to where when the film does end, I kind of felt like it was, I felt like it was a cop out. I felt like the film was a big cop out at the end of the day. And where I really had some energy going towards where I felt like the film was wanting to go, maybe in an earlier draft of the script, it decided, nope, let's go let's go this, this safer route. And that's the way we went. And it ended up with a fine film. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, I think Michael B. Jordan is good in this role. I think the direction of the film also with Mr. Jordan was good. I think a little better than I probably expected it to be as far as directing wise. And then of course you got to talk about Jonathan majors. Cause I've been on record as saying how much I admire Jonathan majors as an actor. I like anything he's been in. He was your reason to watch quantum mania. He was. Um, and he was fine here. <laughs> I mean, he was fine. I, I, I can't go into too much more with any kind of risk of spoiling where this film ultimately ends up, but ultimately where it ends up was what was more disappointing to me than anything. Um, but otherwise, it was a fine film. And I am using that as a slightly positive term. 
Chris, what's your thoughts on Chris three? So uh, Chris, Chris, Chris three. three. <laughs> oh, if only Creed I was three. making the money of uh, any I want to hear about films, the second sequel to Chris. <laughs> so that would just Creed three. That'd be amazing. Um, no. So I think my version of fine tends to be the word. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, okay. And fine. You would use to describe something slightly leaning positive, not slightly leaning negative. Right. Yeah. Okay. So like, right. yeah, when I say something, yeah, I think I, I actually, that's the word I use. I think a lot on this yeah. podcast uh-huh. is my version of you're yeah. fine, which you, yeah, fine is you, it's the it's okay. Yeah, you got the okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's okay. Uh, meaning I wouldn't actively discourage anyone from seeing the film. True. Yeah. Um, there is, you, you mentioned there's some good acting in it. I thought it was directed well enough. And you know, it's also like a very genre type movie. It's a sports film, which has, you know, usually they have pretty familiar beats. This one is no exception. Um, I typically don't go in for sports films, right. but what made me want to see this, I had liked the previous two. I do like Michael B. Jordan. I was wanting to see Jonathan Majors in his second villain role mm-hmm. <laughs> of the 2023. Uh, you used the word villain and let's get back to well, that in a little well, bit. That's uh, that. Starts to get into the it's issues sh- I've it's got. It's shown yeah. in the preview. So yeah, yeah. It's, I'm no, not spoiling no, 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 anything. it's not spoiling. I'm just saying that that does lead to sure. my hang up with the sure. film, I think. Okay. And we'll yeah. get there. Um, so I'm trying to do some positives here. Go for uh, it, sure. So, yeah, I, for me, like if this was just like a, let's say no stars were attached and this was just boxing movie, okay? Yeah, I'd have no interest. Um, if it was a Creed 3 without for some reason, like these people hadn't signed on like Michael B. Jordan's like, Nope, I don't want to know how they do it. <laughs> but then Felicia Rashad would become a professional boxer. I don't know. Um, his mom, I, I don't know, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be interested. But the fact that the people are returning, Ryan Coogler, who directed the first one is still involved in the writing of it. So there's, you know, it's kind of like these people, the, the team is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some positions have changed. Like, you know, Coogler stepped off as director, you know, but so the, the, the team's, team, still the team's all there. Yeah. Um, and I, there are some things that I will say as well with Michael B. Jordan. Like you said, I thought he did a good enough job. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, and I, I don't know, I'm assuming it was a scripting choice, but then just, you know, directing, he was still directing the scene. Something that was very different mm-hmm. from any boxing movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And definitely different from the first two Creed one and Creed two. There is a, um, Let's see if I can try to describe it. There's a within one of the boxing matches, obviously, you know, you're going to get those because that's what this film is. There's a departure where they kind of cut to an empty stadium dreamscape. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an interesting choice. I agree. Um, it didn't altogether work for me, maybe, yep. but I totally, you've already used the uh, thing. So I totally admire the swing for the knockout punch, I yeah. guess, since mm-hmm. you used the swing analogy already that they were going for instead of swinging for the fences, swinging for the knockout it punch. It was something different, and I liked it, what they were trying to do there. Yes. You're right. It did not work 100%. But, but I it was pretty. admire you trying to exactly. break from the formula. Um, it was something that caused you, it kind of caused me to kind of sit up in my seat a little bit I'm like oh, oh okay interesting this is different and <laughs> right. i like it yeah right um, um something also and i had to go back after um after the i'd seen the film to kind of remind myself wait but you know let me let me make sure of something sylvester stallone he is a producer on this but you know, it's not a spoiler i guess you could just check imdb before you go see the film or you don't see him in the trailer uh, that's because he's not in this film correct at all um and 
I thought that was kind of good for Creed three to do. Um, I understand why, you know, he, he's still producer. He's still involved, but you know, the first two he was in and in this film, it's like, Nope, he's just not here. And they don't. So it's kind of like trying to step away from a little bit of legacy things and kind of create your own. You know, it's like, we are now shedding the stuff from the original Rocky franchise. I still have Creed. I'm still that character, but I don't know. I, I thought that was a good on you type thing. You know, the, the, the boxing, Thing that we mentioned, the kind of unique take on that, and then not having a Sylvester Stallone like involved in the writing or involved, you know, in the film. Thought both of those were good. Um, which See, I, had, I, I'm embarrassed to say, but I, and I'm wrong. I, I thought Rocky had died. Well, that's what. When but I he was, hasn't. When I was watching the film, right. I was like, "Oh, I guess I just didn't." I guess remember I don't he remember passed his, away. He died in the last. So one. then I went back to kind of before recording them. You know, my due diligence to you, podcast listeners. Went back and I was like reading summaries and I was like, oh wait, no, no. he's now he he was sick and he was like, yeah, not I remember doing that. Well. I think he was. I think the second movie has him or the first movie, one of them has him going in for like cancer treatment or something. Um, but he didn't want to. But or he's whatever. not. But he's, he's still not, he's around I, as far I as we so. know in this universe. I believe so yeah, okay. So you know, there again, something positive. Um, Jonathan Majors, I, I. I liked him in this film. Um, I, it was, you know, it's kind of interesting to see the difference between how he did Kang and quantum mania and how he's doing, you know, a boxer in this one. And, um, any flaws that I may see in, you know, it all comes down to the script. And I think yeah. you're kind of bound in some ways because I know it's, it is a franchise of sorts. There are a lot of, there are a lot of hands, you know, doing this. This is a big film. You know, it's one of the, I can't tell you how many trailers I saw <laughs> before mm-hmm. the film. So this was, people were anticipating this film, I think. So there's a lot of, a lot of pressure there. And like I said, I think it was okay. So we got an okay and we got a fine. And I'll tell is, you, so. Yeah. Damning praise, gonna, but. Well, yeah. you know, and it's, it is, um, I went to see it with my wife and my daughter and, Neither one of them boxing fans. I'm not a boxing fan. And you know, there were times when some of the boxing matches were happening that they were like wincing and looking mm-hmm. away because it was pretty intense sequences. Yeah. And I'm like, and then my daughter was like, oh, you know, I don't know. I'm like, well, it'll be over shortly. I was like, it, it is boxing. And afterwards we talked about it. And like I said, I wouldn't go see a general boxing movie because I just find it brutal and it's not something I'm interested in. But there was enough there that kept me engaged. And actually, I didn't start to get, I guess, fidgety. I was I was with the film until, let me figure out the guy's name, oh, the, the Felix versus Damien match. Mm-hmm. I was with the film until that. And then after that, things kind of, let's say, unraveled for me. Yeah. And I'm not going to ruin anything for people because this, you know, I was with it over halfway. So I think that says like, you know, there again, it was okay. Um, a side character dies and it doesn't, it just seemed too utilitarian to try to pull some heartstrings. There wasn't, mm-hmm. I, I, I just didn't really, I just found it was just like something, a beat they wanted to hit. They didn't need it. It didn't further really the story because things had happened that had already furthered the yeah. story. And then it was just kind of piling on for no reason. Um, and extending the running time too. this thing's almost two hours. And yeah, I don't think it really given, needs to be. Yeah. But giving films these days, I was actually happy that it was just shy of two hours and you know, not over, I guess yeah, is what you're right. right. Yeah, no, yeah. it definitely didn't need to be any longer. 
than it was. Um, and I think there again, <laughs> dancing around as if I was in the boxing ring, floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. That's Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And that actually rhymed. Um, specifics. I'm going to mention two other things that I didn't like. Um, the post final match locker room conversation was, I was grinding my teeth and it just felt too. And I saw some instances where I think maybe the intention was to try to kind of turn things on their head a little bit, but it just rang false to me and unearned. And there's something I can, there's something I can mention there's basically something is completely like forgotten about. That's a pretty big deal mm-hmm. because it's kind of like, I'll just say this cause this is, this is dancing around specifics enough. It's kind of like a hit was put on somebody kind of like a mafia style hit. And that is important, but then it is dropped and just like, Oh, well, you know? well <laughs> and that's like illegal. Like let me, let me, let me kind of so, key in then, off me, of this. And then the last, the very yeah. last thing before you like focus it was, um, there's an empty stadium kind of return to empty stadium glimpse that is either a glimpse of the future or the glimpse of the future sequel possibility type thing mm-hmm. that was during the closing minutes. And that was also eye rolling and groaning for me. So, well, I, I think away, overall, Aaron. I think your ending, I think your two criticism there really had to do with kind of where this film decided to go story wise. Sure. And taking the character. Okay. You mentioned the premise of the film. You mentioned the setup, the whole, you know, uh, Adonis is very successful. He's kind of uh, stepped away from the ring now. He's more of a businessman. A and a child- family man. Yeah, yeah, a childhood friend kind of emerges back on the scene. We meet Damien, who has had a very rough go of life, and especially the last 18 years. But you start to learn more of the relationship he had with Adonis, his children, and some things that transpired that kind of fractured that relationship or at least pushed them apart in some resentment that fostered from it and all of that. Yeah. I was on board for, and I really liked the scenes where, when, when Damien first came back into Adonis's life yes, yes, and they're having some really interesting conversations. And I'm like, okay, this is creating a nice, it's like, you could tell that they were happy to be with each other again, but yet there was tension. Mm -hmm. There was some distance that had grown and there was some sense of resentment. Right. Nothing though in that whole setup led me to feel like anything was earned with a character turning, turning bad, turning villainous, villainous. Sure. This film didn't need that. I don't feel like, I feel like there's a story there about two people that, you know, the whole idea was that, uh, uh, Damien was the one who was going to be, the boxer. He's the one who's really good. He was the right. one on that path. And right. because of a choice that was made, a choice to help a friend, now Adonis is the one that's gotten her take on and run with that life. And it's like, that's that's enough to work with, to turn this character into a, into a, almost a little bit of a superhero villain, almost like a, a, a truly like mustache twirling villain, which I feel like they kind of started to get down a path of doing. Sure. I'm like, man, I'm not interested in this relationship anymore because now it's like, now the two men just want to kill each other on <laughs> in, 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 in the ring. Right. So then that causes the aftermath scenes that you were pointing out to also ring hollow where they shouldn't have to have had. Imagine if you had a, a situation where the two characters 
truly just, you know, one of them really wanted the, 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 the take the, the, the championship title mm-hmm. and the other one's like, ah, you know, I, that's, that's, I can't let you take that away from me. It's like, you know, and they really have a, a battle of wills on this and that's all that drives them to fight. And I'm okay with that. And it's like in the ring, they're kind of, they tried to do some visual elements where it's like when they're in the ring together, it's, it's almost like they and their younger versions are kind of in the ring. Right. And I think there's enough drama there. I, I, I think to turn a character into a much more villainous character ruined everything for me. It so just made it to where it was over, not overwritten. Yes. Because okay. then you get to the locker room scene afterwards. It wouldn't be eye rolling if you hadn't already had the character go down a certain path so far. Right. Because then it's like, okay, yeah, I totally get that these two people would have this conversation afterwards because that's an okay thing to do. That makes sense for the world, the situation they were just in. Right. After what we saw the previous 30, 40 minutes before the fight, I'm like, no, these two people would not be having this conversation. <laughs> there would not be going on here. Yeah. Right. There would be a much more serious deal going on. So that's, that's my issue with the film is I felt like the film had something interesting to work with. There's a discussion about learning more about Adonis's childhood. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. And in the fact that he had been kind of keeping it from his wife and doesn't want to talk about it. And then finally has to kind of come to some grips with it. All that interesting, good drama. I kind of like the fight idea of a boxing fight where you don't really have a villain. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you just have two people that are really coming strong willed coming to it from different perspectives. Right. There's something interesting there. And I think the film just kind of lost sight of that. And uh, I almost feel like this film turned the creed is trying to, I don't know if it's because, you know, Michael B. Jordan was involved with the, the Marvel universe through the black Panther movie. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of that going on. I mean, if you remember the first fight that we come to in the movie, like in the first five minutes, it's almost like they show that uh, Adonis had developed a little bit of a superpower. Do you remember mm-hmm. there was like the thing yeah. where he kind of saw in slow motion, he could see this spot on his opponent and he's like, sure. okay. And it was shot in kind of a way that was like, a little otherworldly, almost like he just had the sixth, sixth sense of some sort, which is okay and fine. But then you get to the point of casting somebody as a true villain. And then it's just, I don't know. It, it, it almost just, it tried to make the movie more different than what it really needed to be. And I felt like it lost a lot from that. So um, I always liked the Creed movies because I thought they were very authentic. I think both one and two, I felt like had a lot of authenticity to it. This one started to kind of, push it into honestly where the Rocky franchise went about Mm. the third or fourth movie. Interesting. Where it truly just had a painted villain. Okay. Mm. Bear with me just for a second. You remember the original Rocky? It's Rocky against Apollo Creed. Right. And Apollo Creed, yes, the big showboat and all that, but he's never really a villain. He's just, he's the champion. He's the one you want to take down. And then in two, it's kind of a rematch. But after two, they become kind of friends and all that. And then you start to get the true villains, the Mr. T, Clubber Lane. Then you get the Russian guy. He's right. like, and that's when the movie started getting a little cornier and a little less effective and all that. I just, I'm a little afraid they're kind of dancing down that pathway here with this one. Um, anyway, that's my, that's my takeaway. That's my only concern. I, you know, I liked everything else. Tessa Thompson, I think, is great as Bianca. I thought Jonathan Majors did a fine job as Damien. I like his role as, as just about anything else I see him do. Um, so I'm 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 with you on all the positives you gave. It's just my big negative that I just I wish the story had been a not felt the need to take go down the path it went down. 
which I thought was less satisfying at the end of the day. Sure. So, I, yeah, I think we're basically on the same page. It'll be mm. interesting to see once we uh, hit letterboxed if we're literally on the same rating or if we're one's a little higher or lower. I think that one thing I'll end on a positive that I appreciate about this film was that the story the story uses a little bit of element from the first film, that being the character's origins, and then uses an opponent from the second film as kind of a yeah. key person in this film. Yep. So it's like it was using elements in a building type way that could be seen as fan service, but to me it wasn't because no. it was actually helping develop things. So it, it kind of achieved both. It was yeah. fan stuff because they can be like, oh yeah, he was in this film. But it was also plot development, story about, and I really appreciated about that. I just wish it would have carried on to the end of the thing. I wish the writing would have been as clever in other ways, and I would have liked the last, I guess, maybe third. Of the yeah, film. So. No, I'm I'm with you on that for sure, absolutely. Well, that is Creed three. I mean, I think we both came out with a very, our very lukewarm response to it. I look, I thought it was an entertaining two hours. It was fine. I I. I if you like the previous two movies, I think you're going to still really enjoy this film. Sure. I think uh, generally speaking, I just, uh, I did have some script issues and just overall the direction the film wanted to take was not the one I was hoping to kind of hitch a ride to. And uh, a little disappointed with that, but overall still felt like it was an effective, uh, entertaining film. And you seem to be very similar. Yeah. Same idea. Okay. That is Creed 3. It is uh, making a lot of money first weekend, so I'm sure it'll be around in the movie theater for quite a while. So uh, we are saying, yeah, it's 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 fine. Go check it out. It's okay. It's yeah, fine. Sure. <laughs> so it's okay it's, and fine. Oh, boy. That is the most boring review thing we can do, but I don't know any other way to phrase it. It's just, I don't want to say it's good, because good to me is like, yeah, I'm I'm going to tell people about this film. I think people should go check this out. I'm going to advocate for it. I mean, in other words, if we want to say, you know, we've, Alan's fine. I'm okay. Average. It's it's a, it's it's average with a slight leaning on the positive side there for you me. Go. Okay, uh, you're asking about letterbox rating. We go five stars. I'm debating a fine for me is either two and a half or three. Mm. That's a fine. Okay. Okay. Anything over a three, right? Is it starts I'm good. To get, right. I'm like I'm liking this movie. There are some positive. I I want to talk about this movie positively to people. Two and a half to three, maybe three right on the dot is kind of like, okay, it's fine. You know, it's good. It's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. I'm not yeah. hating this film. I don't feel like it did anything terribly wrong. I just, uh, it just, it just wasn't my thing that I'm going to go out and sing praises for. Sure. So, okay. Now we got that out of the way. <laughs> Let's move on to our next one and see where it falls in our new scale, our okay, fine scale, where we go with two Leslie. How does it feel to win such a life-changing sum of money? Oh, well, I feel a lot better than yesterday. <laughs> what do you plan to do with 190,000 smackaroos? I don't know. Maybe buy a house, buy something nice for my boy, you know, just have a better life. Save my soul. In the movie To Leslie, we have a story of a West Texas single mother who we find out had won the lottery uh, before technically before the film really begins. But we also learned that she had squandered that money really, really quickly, leaving behind a world of heartbreak along the way. So we join Leslie played by Andrea Riseborough, 
Uh, years later, her charm is running out. She has nowhere to go, and she's fighting to rebuild her life and find redemption. Now, Chris, that's the IMDb kind of summary for you there on the film. Uh, more importantly, I think people have heard about this film because it did score an Oscar nomination for Best Actress for Andrea Riseborough, which was interesting because when that was announced, I guarantee you 99.5% of the population had never heard of this movie. Right. Not as, More people had maybe heard. I'd never heard of yeah, it. When I, yeah. I had not either. Right. But it did have some controversy behind this nomination because there was a social media campaign that many other actors and directors kind of chimed in on to help bolster her chances and whether or not it influenced uh, voters for the nominations or not is kind of up for discussion. But regardless, she is the one of the five nominations for Best Actress because of this performance, uh, a film that hardly anyone has seen. I'm sure have now seen it more since the nomination came out. So Chris, I, you know, I hate to ask the obvious question here because this is a film that is driven so much by a singular performance. It's not to say it's the only thing in the film, but I mean, you have to kind of walk away from the film saying, does this performance work? Uh, and does it make the film work as a whole? So that's my question to you because the whole Oscar nominations floating out there and all the, the, the buzz about it. I just want to hear your thoughts on, you know, did you walk away from this feeling like, the the buzz around this film, the discussion around this film is justified or did you walk away feeling like uh, maybe the Oscar nomination process got bamboozled a little bit? <laughs> I love that word bamboozled. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I, I know little or nothing about the nomination process. Um, the fact that this film, I mean, yeah, we, I hadn't heard of it. It got nominated. Does it bother me? No, because I don't know enough that there was really cheating me. If enough people wanted to support it, enough of the voters wanted to vote for it, well, who cares? Like, yeah, okay. I don't really care how they get right. persuaded to now, do so. Now, was something underhanded yeah. done? But like to no. me, it's like, what did they do? Pay a bunch of people? No, if they paid a bunch of people to vote for this or nominate this, well, then, yeah, that's not cool. But if all it was was some famous people saying, hey, you should check this out, well, so be it. Well, actually, I think the tweet that we're going out is that Andrea Riseborough's performance in Two Leslie is one of the finest, like best cinematic acting jobs ever done. Like it was like, it was some big hyperbole being thrown out there. But, yeah, but yeah, there unless somebody was being paid to make yeah. those kind of, oh, you know, I, like, I agree with you. I mean, I thought uh, Daniel Radcliffe was amazing in uh, weird and should be nominated yeah. as one of the actors. Nobody listens to your, them. your tweet did not quite, quite catch the, on the fire. Like Steven yeah, Spielberg's did. Yeah, I don't all. have quite the sway, yeah. um, but you know, so it does. The fact that she got nominated doesn't matter. Does it elevate the movie? Kind of hard because now we'll start talking solely about the film to Leslie. Riseborough is good. She is a good actress. She is good as Leslie. Um, but I didn't really find the film to be that remarkable or entertaining. Um, it was, she did do a good job of playing and she had a, you know, it's, She's playing an unlikable character. It's kind of like the tar way of getting an Oscar nomination that Kate mm-hmm. Blanchett got because, but I think Leslie ends up playing a little bit more sympathetic than tar, I would say. Yeah. Um, but you know, these people are kind of difficult people to spend time with and you spend time with both of them. Um, Leslie's is much less glamorous. You know, she lost all this money, you know, she won a lottery and then basically blew it, alienated her son, alienated lots of people all around her. Um, but she does a good job of being like a toxic personality 
And um, so I, yeah, I can see why she got the nomination. Um, is it worth like all the piling on of accolades and stuff? Uh, I don't know. And the film itself to me was just okay. Probably a little less than okay, just because I didn't feel like it didn't set itself apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that I was surprising to me um, was Mark Maron, comed- stand-up comedian. He has acted in a fil- other films. I think we discussed sort of trust on the film yep. or on the mm-hmm. podcast. We did. A couple episodes ago. Um, and I like him. And it's not that he did a bad job acting. No, he just miscast. Miscast. And what was up with the accent? Yeah, I don't know. The accent to me was and like I thought it was horrible casting. Normally normally stuff like that doesn't bother me. And maybe it's because I'm so familiar with Mark Marin. And you you said, you know, it's West Texas. Okay, and Mark Marin is obviously like but so just have him talk like Mark Marin. It doesn't mean I guess I didn't catch dialogue, but maybe he's supposed to have grown up here his entire life. But I don't think so because she didn't know where she knew didn't she know the um, royal that was also working? The other the guy hotel? working at the hotel. Yeah, so like he knew of her, but he didn't. So I felt like he could have easily have been a transplant. Yeah. So he doesn't, it's okay if he sounds more northern or out of state than te- Like, just leave it be. And maybe that actually hindered Marin a little bit. Who knows? Because he was so like distracted trying to keep well, that. I just thought his part was miscast all the way around. I, I, just, I agree. I never bought him. In the role that he was in, I, I just, it didn't work. That that casting didn't work. And it's not Marin's fault. I just feel like casting was just, that was not the right Miscast. choice for that role. So I, I, I would agree. So yeah. that kind of affected, and he is in the film a lot. Yeah. And so that was kind of distracting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And I like it. It's, it's a weird thing to say. Miscast is the perfect thing. Yeah, the is. accent helped it be miscast, I think. Right. Because it's not that he was a terrible actor. He delivered the dialogue poorly, anything like that. No, it's just, just, just miscast. He wasn't the right choice for that role. Right. Um, I'm going to come out more positive than you on this. Okay. Uh, I thought it was a little better than okay or fine on my typical scale there. <laughs> okay. um, all right, look. Yes. Does this film do anything different or new with the genre of down on their luck individual who's really made some bad choices in their life and now has to kind of crawl from the bottom to get somewhere? Does it do anything new? Not at all. Is it do anything revolutionary or interesting with that premise? No, not at all. It is a grueling two hours of watching someone go to absolute rock bottom in their life and watch them slowly attempt to make it at least <laughs> to where they can breathe a little bit. That's it. That's the film. It's um, relatively raw. I mean, I thought Andrea Riseborough's performance was very raw as Leslie. It was, sure. it was not afraid to... <sighs> not afraid to let this person have some real issues and some real faults. And instead of it being like we've seen in the past, some movies where, you know, this person has a heart of gold. They're just going through a rough time. No, no, no. Leslie, <laughs> Leslie, Leslie's heart is not made of gold. And right. there are many, many situations where you can see that very clearly exhibited in the film. Um, but it overall worked for me just because I bought it. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought her performance. I bought the performance of the people around her, except for Mark Maron's. I thought, you know, I thought the role of her son, uh, the person playing her son, uh, Owen Teague played James really good. And he played like a young, uh, young adult son of this woman would be. And, and just how trauma, uh, how 
uh, in turmoil he is because of what his mo- mother's put him through. Right. I bought all that. I bought the relationship of everybody else around Leslie, uh, Alice and Janie. We didn't mention Alice and Janie and uh, uh, Stephen Root as a couple that kind of tried to help quote help Leslie a little bit, but probably didn't really add much help to the situation. Yeah. I mean, again, I bought their performances in general. I bought them as human beings that yes, then when they have dealt with this woman for so many years, they know what to expect and they're having to kind of work with her now again, I bought it all. So I'm okay with the film. I, I did like it. Um, I will admit it didn't really bring anything new to the table. And there's, You've seen this story before. Right. You've seen this type of film plenty, plenty of times before. I do think Andrea Riseborough's performance is strong enough to elevate this to slightly above uh, what you could typically expect to see in a film like this. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, with both Alice and Janney and Stephen Root, Stephen Root immediately recognized his voice to me is very recognizable. Um, and so, yeah, but it was interesting. He was good. But I felt like maybe between Mark Marin and Allison Janney, like they couldn't afford him because he kind of was there and then dropped out and I didn't understand why he was gone. Yeah. Whereas Allison Janney, same type thing. She had a little bit more weight and then kind of like she's the ringer of this film. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a, a diner scene yeah. where with Leslie towards the end of the film and they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> This is Allison Janney. It's like, okay, who can we get that's going to deliver? Like, they probably sent her this one page or a couple of pages of script. And it's like, you know, oh, read for this. And she, like, read for that one. They're like, oh, yeah, you're the ringer. Come on, come on, come yeah. on and do this film for it. Because I, I was, that. when she, like, you know, she was there. And I actually, at first, because she has all white hair in the mm-hmm. film, I didn't really recognize it was her. Yeah. And then, you know, got some clothes. I was like, oh, that's Allison Janney. Then disappeared. And then comes back in at some crucial moments. And I was like, okay, that's, yeah. that's Alice and Janney. You know? well, and I'll say too, that so. scene you alluded to the ending where she kind of comes in and has some, some moments to, to shine with some, some, with her performance. Um, on paper, that ending should not have worked on paper. That ending is very pat, very simple, right. very convenient. But for whatever reason, it worked for me. Alice and Janney, man. She did make she's it work. A, she's, I mean, no, that whole sequence and right. just the way it played out. Right. Again, on paper, sounds cliche as all get out. But whatever reason on the film with the performances there and the people, it just clicked and it worked. And it kind of, I mean, I, I you know, for a movie that's put me through the ringer for an hour and 55 minutes, the last five to 10 minutes, it did an okay job of kind of getting me to a better spot. And I think it did elevate my esteem for the film just a little bit too and how it ended up. So, yeah. Uh, Overall, I really, I did like it. Would I have wished that it had been all unknown actors instead of any of the names? Yeah, probably so. I think it would have been granted. I know this movie didn't make any money to begin with. It certainly would not have made any money if you didn't (laughs) even have Alice and Janie or Mark Maron. And I'll say though, but I think it would have worked better. I agree, and I think it would actually help Riseborough's performance stand yeah. out even more. I agree, yeah. Because Mark Maron, Allison Janney, Stephen Root, they're kind of known quantities for me, but if they're, if they're all unknowns, except for her, because I had seen her before, but then she becomes this kind of like, and she is still very much a dominant black hole type, soul-sucking yeah. performance, you know, that's just like, oh my gosh, very strong. 
but yeah, because it would become so dominant over the film, that would actually probably end up resonating for me a little more. Yeah, so. I agree. Uh, you know, there's a couple scenes. I mean, when I say this is a, it's a grueling watch, I mean, grueling in sense of, you know, I admired, there was a scene in a bar Oh. Where she is trying to, and they, they, it's perfect. Yeah, she's with two known no name actors that yep. she's trying to like basically a pickup scene. Yep, and that because they're unknowns and everything, it's it worked. It's painful. Yeah. it is absolutely painful to watch. Yeah, but you know, you you, you totally get it. you buy it. Like, yep, that's that's how that would probably play out in right. real world situation, and that's that's how toxic she is, and and, and people see her with this. Yeah, so it worked because it, I didn't have any preconceived notions of the actors that were involved in the scene. It was gotcha. just uh, it was just it. So overall, look, I, I I did I did like this movie. I think it was a good performance. I, I I think it's I think it's worthy of one of the top five actress performances this year. I mean, I think I think it's at that level, and I I, I would not be shocked if she pulled out a really interesting surprise win on this. So. <laughs> Well, one of the things, I'll kind of a side note, but it, it does pertain to this film. You know, you talked about, um, or we talked about its nomination. People hadn't heard of the film. The Oscars. One of the things I used to watch the Oscars for a long time ago, like in high school and stuff like that when I was growing up, was to hear about films that I'd never heard of mm-hmm. and to expose me to stuff. And, you know, more recently, it seems like, I'm never really surprised. Like it's like, oh, maybe I'm surprised that film got nominated, but I've definitely heard of it. Maybe I haven't yeah. seen it, but at least. So this was kind of cool. It was like, okay, to Leslie, and this is the whole reason we're reviewing it on the podcast is because it got nominated. So it gives us something that normally wouldn't have been on our radar at all. So I kind of, you know, the Oscars, yes, you can debate whether they got something right or got something wrong, but it kind of returns to my original purpose for even following the Oscars is because it puts things on my radar that I wasn't aware of. No, it's true. So, That's a good point. Cause I, I do used to remember like, yeah, there'd normally be one or two films, especially in these acting categories where I'd be like, Oh, I've never seen that one before or even heard of it Two Leslie is like the first one in a, a while that kind of falls in that category for us. And, uh, no, I'm with you. I think it's great, uh, to recognize smaller films. Uh, just because people didn't see it doesn't mean the film isn't good and doesn't worthy of praise. When it like, I'd never heard of the director of to Leslie, Michael Morris. He'd done a lot of TV, but you know, just TV all over the place. It wasn't like he only did one series really. Like he did some better call Saul. He did some other thing, but it wasn't like he did all of better call Saul. So Mm -hmm. therefore I just wasn't a name I was familiar with. So this was, I think his first official film Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little less so in some respects. And I wanted it to be more, but for a first film and to get an Oscar nom- nominated performance out of it. Okay. So, yeah. well, overall, yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely a little more positive on to Leslie than you, but I mean, you're still, you're in the, you're in the okay level on to Leslie. Yeah. Is this just going to be our life now? Is so we're just, every film we talk about, it's just going to be in that. Okay. Fine level. Cause we've set such a broad spectrum of what falls into that. Now, well, here's so. the thing, which I was actually explaining. Uh, I was with somebody this weekend who mentioned they'd listened to our podcast, oddly enough about oh, quantum mania. That's our one listener. Right. Listen to okay, great. Awesome. You had listen to quantum mania because they were curious about seeing it. And the points you and I brought up, they're like, Oh, yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. And they're like, I don't think I'll wait for Disney plus. And I was like, well, I never want to discourage you. I was like, but he's like, no, the things you were saying kind of assured me like, no. And I think, I think that's the thing is that you and I, and I, what I explained to him is 
Alan and I are fortunate. We do this podcast, but it's not like we have to do it every single week. Mm-hmm. So we get to kind of pick and choose what we're going to go see. So normally, if Alan and I know we're going to hate something, we don't bother going to see it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although so, even that's not really, I mean, we're getting a little deep into the uh, deep into pr- the production of the sure. show here, but sure. even that's not really fair. Because I, I thought about that actually recently that you and I kind of, yes, if we predict something looks really bad or we're hearing some rumblings that something's really bad and you and I, neither one have any desire to go see it, we don't go see it. True. So we are self-selecting our reviews a little bit. We are we are well, we are handicapping ourselves a little bit to be on the positive side we of are. reviews. That's what I was saying. Yeah. That's what we do because the thing is, Alan and I also realize it takes a lot of people to make a movie. Mm-hmm. And so if we hear something's bad, we're like, well, that's too bad. We don't want movies to be bad, and we don't want to sit here and just tear something down. For ten or fifteen minutes, because right. that's not interesting to no, us. No, it's not fun, and, and it's and, not constructive. And look, I may have a personal beef with like a singular actor performance or director's choice or whatever. But yeah, there are hundreds of people that made that film, yeah. so nothing about criticism is saying everybody involved in this production just did a bad job and right. should be ashamed of it. No, not at all. Um, so, yeah, okay. So, what was our point with all that? No. Are we doomed to just say everything? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. Right. My thing no. was like, well, no, because normally, unless it's a surprise, that I, one of us thinks something is terrible. I think we should it. push ourselves just you know, between you and I. <laughs> to I think do we should terrible. push ourselves to watch more films that are getting bad raps or maybe are not of the quality that we would expect to be. Because again, I think I think uh, I think we need to give them a shot. You know, or at least I, I hate when a film gets dogged. Hmm. by critics and audiences for some particular reason. Right. Even though the movie may be okay. It may be fine. <laughs> it may be worth a fine or okay rating. Right. But yet it gets dogpiled on it for one aspect or another or something in a trailer or something, a choice that was made. And it's like, that is the whole narrative around it. And that's not fair. That's not fair to everybody else who made that film. So anyway, okay. Are we, we're done on our little, yeah, our little uh, personal behind, <laughs> behind the curtain little discussion sure. there. Okay, back to Two Leslie. Two Leslie is available for rental and streaming on different services right now. Uh, if you're in a scramble to watch it before the Academy Awards, as of the time it's recording, you've only got a couple more days, so you True. better you better get on it. Right. But it is available to rent at a fairly small nominal fee at this point to see it that way. So we do. I, I do recommend to Leslie, especially if you're an Oscar Academy Award completist. Yeah, you need to go out there and get that scene. Um, I don't know. Could be a. I mean, it could be a surprise Sunday evening. Could I, be. You never know. On the Best Actress, I think right now, uh, you know, Michelle Kwan, every, or not Michelle Yeoh. I'm sorry, yes. Michelle Yeoh is kind of the one everybody believes is going to win, with Kate Blanchett as maybe the another close alternative. Right. Not hearing a lot of buzz outside of those two for anything right now, but you never you know. You never know. And I would not be shocked, completely shocked, if this one came up as a surprise winner after all. I I would be shocked, but yeah. we'll see. I only what I'd be shocked by right now is uh, Armas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, as uh, Marilyn Monroe. Right. Nothing against her performance, just I don't think it's at the tier where these others are. Uh, and then who's our four, who's our other one that we haven't talked about? We got, uh, I'll shoot. We got Michelle Yeoh. Right. We've got, um, Kate Blanchett. We've got Leslie Riseborough. We've got, uh, Anna de Armas. Michelle Williams, Michelle Williams for the Fablemans. No, no, she's supporting actress. She's supporting. Okay. Who else is best actress? <sighs> this is where our intern has failed us. 
I am not sure. I've seen all the performances. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe Michelle Williams is best actress. Did rake it in. I mean, that that could be. I mean, I know that... Um, yeah, we really yeah. shouldn't be doing this here on the... <laughs> no, you're right. It is Michelle Williams okay. for The Fablemans. That okay. is uh, nominee for best actress. I think the... Yeah, and I think... The yeah. father... He didn't get a nomination. Right. Dano didn't. So I think yeah. some people are like, wait a second. Michelle Yeoh, Anna de Armas, Kate Blanchett, Michelle Williams, Andrea Riceboro. There we go. I do not think Michelle Williams will win. I, I'm pretty sure Anna de Armas will not win. Uh, no. Okay. Your shock, or you're saying like Leslie. Yeah. I, I don't know who I would be more shocked if two Leslie won or Anna de Armas or well, Blonde. I would be more shocked if Anna de Armas won. I would still be, I mean, it'd be a little shock if Andrea Riseborough won, just because, yeah, it's kind of out left field. It is a very small performance or very small film. Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen, though, is it? It's going to be Michelle Yeoh. Uh, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> that was our two reviews of Creed 3 and To Leslie. Uh, slightly positive reviews of both okay in the fine category for me and Chris. Me a little higher on onto Leslie. I did enjoy and appreciate that film a little bit more than the others that uh, we talked about. Okay, let's move on. Uh, well, let's actually take a quick break. We come okay. back. We're going to do our trailer tapas section. That's where we review a couple of trailers that were just released of films. We're going to play them back in audio format, which is not always the best way for us to you to enjoy a trailer, but we're True. trying to encourage you to go out and check out the trailer on your own. But we will talk about the two trailers that we have to queue up, and then we'll do a recommendation from Chris at the end of the show of a film he thinks we ought to check out. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films right here on The Mesh. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Uh, Alan Jackson, Chris Fry from the Foot Candle Film Society and Foot Candle Film Festival. We had our reviews of the films Creed Three. And two Leslie, uh, which registered with two OKs and one and a half fine, with one of those half fines being a little more on the positive side. So, Chris, uh, let's talk about movies coming up soon. Okay. We like to occasionally look at trailers. We probably shouldn't. Trailers are probably not our best friends because they do set up some expectations for films. But I think you and I try to look at them very healthily as it is a way of getting a morsel of taste of what that film is going to be like. And if we are going to be on board with some of the choices we're seeing made in the film or not. And usually we try to skew towards like the teaser trailers that may not be like a full, they, not they the may entire not spoil plot of the everything. Film, yeah. yeah. So that way it's just enough to say, Hey, this looks interesting or no. So yeah. hopefully. So we have two, tra- two films we're going to discuss. Um, how about let's do this one first, Chris. Uh, we have a film coming up. That is going to be an Apple TV Plus film. Is that correct? For Tetris? Oh, I was not aware of that. I believe Tetris. Oh, boy. I could be wrong on this. Hold on. <laughs> Maybe I we'll learn it in Tetris, the trailer. <laughs> yes, Tetris is an Apple TV Plus film. Okay. Coming right. to Apple TV Plus. All right. And I, I already spoiled the name. It is Tetris. It is a film about the game Tetris. And it is starring uh, Taron Egerton. You may know as Elton John. 
He also played Robin Hood one time. Hmm. But uh, Elton John's probably the one everybody knows him for yeah, now. Yeah, from Rocket Man. Yep, sure. Directed by John Baird. And it is the story of the most popular video game, Tetris, how it found its way around the globe. So let's check out the trailer for Tetris. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I played for five minutes. I still see falling blocks in my dreams. It's poetry, art and math, all working in magical synchronicity. It's... So there you have the trailer for the film Tetris. Chris, initial thoughts. So we we talk about end of the year of awards where we say like our five favorite films and we give out Oscars and we talk about those predictions, the nominations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of do a thing where we say like how we thought the ceremony went and worthiness. But one thing we don't do and maybe we should start doing is like our top five movie trailers of that year. Mm-hmm. Because putting together, you know, there again, you mentioned we don't sometimes like talking about it because we don't want to ruin films and they set your yeah. expectations up too high. It's kind of a curse, but they do get you interested in anything. And then, you know, if you think about it, trailers are short films. So it's like yeah. we award this short film. And sometimes, you know, they're just, there's just one that's so good. And you're like, you know, that would be the interesting thing. What are the top five trailers of films that stunk, but the trailers were amazing you know like, yeah i got a couple so, of those right yeah, and yeah. there's a, so so i know why well, i wouldn't say it stunk but one th- trailer that was amazing was for the phantom menace when that came out oh, the yeah, trailer sure. for that it was really you know people had, bit, had their anticipation it didn't reveal everything about it but it showed a bunch of stuff. that phantom menace trailer for the star wars film great you know i we had said this was a news item a while back that they were making a film out of tetris and we kind of laughed because I think we said like they made a they made a film out of Battleship and now mm-hmm. they were doing Tetra like ah you know yeah however however from the trailer if I'm if it's to believe the story so it's not like people are moving puzzle pieces or <laughs> no <laughs> no it's like the story of how that game came to be and kind of like it was Russian kind of a little bit of espionage stuff okay that now you've got my interest and the fact that they're not. Obviously, you can tell from some of the theme music and the, the tone. It appears they're not taking it seriously. Maybe. Maybe. Although there's some, I mean, I can't tell. And that's why no, I'm anxious. I, I'm happy to not be able to tell. I don't know if this is a film that's going to be a little tongue in cheek right. because of some of the music that was used and some of the, the one liners. Right. But there's also some moments in the trailer that make it look to be pretty darn serious. I mean, it's happening with the fall of the Soviet Union. It's. There seems to be a lot of political intrigue around this game. Right. I don't I don't know. And I'm happy to not know until the film sure. comes out what direction the tone's gonna take. But it achieved the thing that we're both mm-hmm. interested in seeing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I like Taron Egerton a lot. He really won me over as Elton John. I think oh, yeah. he's a really good actor. Um He was in those Kingsman movies, right? Yeah, he was. Which I did not like. Didn't Actually, like those but, actively hated them. But he was good. He but it wasn't his fault. Yeah. 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 Um, I liked him in the rocket man and this, I think it, <laughs> I can't wait because I, there again, you can't tell, but a little bit from the trailer, he's playing somebody who has this idea. He's trying to do stuff, but in a way, maybe he's a naive kind of goof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that come through. Like, I agree. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's very interesting trailer. I think it is. I think it's extremely well done. Yep. Um, Plus, actually, I will there say, was a little bit of imagination. There's, they show there again. It's an audio podcast, but if yeah. you look it up online and watch it, they do show it. They do some graphics of Tetris, and at one point, there's like a car chase happening, and they kind of cut to 
It's like a everything top down, cuts away. A top-down Tetris and it view. It looks like of, a Tetris game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of the car weaving through traffic. Yeah, no, I, I hope that that's. I hope that's part of the film. I hope yeah. the film goes some inventive routes with that. No, I'm look. I saw this trailer the first time. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> now look, it is an Apple TV Plus movie, and we so, need to be honest so about let, it. Let's do a sidebar yeah. for a second. Yeah, and probably where you're going. Interesting to me that Air, which is the Michael Jordan film that originally was going to be, I think, only an Amazon film, and now that is in theaters first, and then they're yeah. going to put it I, still you know, Amazon though. Still, still Amazon though. But it's in theaters, exclusively in theaters, and then we're going to stick it in Amazon a week later. But like I saw a trailer for that in front of Creed, actually. Yep. So it's interesting. I wonder if this film never would have had a life outside of Apple Plus, TV Plus, or whether that, you know what I mean? It's like interesting, yeah. but they're keeping it Apple TV Plus, even yes. though from the trailer, it looks like, you know, maybe they could have released it in theaters, but they're keeping it maybe. exclusive. So it's kind of interesting to see. But I think we How just need to be realistic things. about Apple TV Plus right now. Look, I love... Uh, they've got Oscar winner Coda. They do. But if you look at all the other movies they've released, the movies are fine. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, look at the quality of films. They're all good, well-made films. But none of them have been great. Okay? I'm just... I'm, I'm here to say. Tom Hanks has been in a couple movies. They've mm-hmm. had... Um, there's been some other ones. There's one out now that they keep pumping all the time with, uh, Julianne Moore and, and, uh, John Lithgow. I haven't watched and I haven't heard anybody really talk about it. I mean, maybe we should watch that. I, we probably should. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I, I hope, I hope a film that Apple TV plus puts out really knocks it out of the park. Right. Cause I don't saying. think any film has really knocked it out of the park. I've never watched a, a, something on Apple TV and plus and said, boy, that was horrible. No, they're all good but nothing's been great mm-hmm. so i i wonder if this is one that could do that i don't know so anyway, i hope so hope so okay so tetris we are both terribly excited crazily yeah. enough for the tetris movie coming out march 31st on apple tv plus okay so coming out pretty soon guys coming up yeah in just a couple more weeks now let's move on to a film that i'm intrigued by and i think we have also had this as a news item in a prior show a while ago, cause it's been in development for a while, but, um, well, and it's intriguing for various reasons. Um, cast cast is intriguing. Director, director is very intriguing. Yeah. And the fact that it's, is it a remake? Is it a reboot? Is it whatever? Cause this film has been done before. Yes. Actually in 2003, it was done before Yes, with also with, comedic lead involved. This is true. This is the film that we're dancing around and we'll give you all the details here after the trailer. The film is haunted mansion. Now I will note it's haunted mansion, not the The haunted Haunted mansion, Mansion. just haunted mansion by director, Justin Simeon and it's starring Rosario Dawson. And it's got a whole bunch of other people. Owen Wilson, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish, Dan Levy, Jamie Lee Curtis, Renata Ryder, Jared Leto. Oh my gosh. Danny DeVito. It goes on and on. Let's check out the trailer for Haunted Mansion. Welcome home. I know this place isn't as warm as I'd hoped. But I'm going to light a vanilla candle and it's going to be a game changer. Will it though? We're out. This mansion is unhinged. She needs all the help she can get. You want to be a hero? 
$1,000. All right. So that was the trailer for Haunted Mansion. Again, uh, yes, as you probably picked up from the trailer, if you're hearing an audio or if you've watched the trailer yourself, it is based on the Walt Disney World, uh, Walt Disneyland uh, attraction. Yes. The Haunted Mansion. Now, there was a Haunted Mansion movie made back in 2003 starring Eddie Murphy. The Haunted Mansion. The Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not a big hit. Didn't do very well. Uh, I think people were very lukewarm on it. Never heard anything scathingly bad about it. it just It just was just kind of there. Didn't really do a lot for anybody. So now we have a new version. This version, the, the synopsis of the version that we just heard the trailer for. A single mom named Gabby hires a tour guide, a psychic, a priest, and a historian to help exercise their newly bought mansion after discovering it is inhabited by ghosts. Chris, you brought this. Uh, you wanted to bring this trailer up. Sure. What's uh, what's your take on what you're seeing so far? So, I think I'll go off the bat. The trailer, you know, there is a little bit of a jump scare thing at the very beginning, and you know, I, I, I this is Disney. They're not going to make a horror film. So, yeah, right. Let's, uh, but might there be a little some things that are kind of like Disney some of the scary? visuals. Some of the visuals. Could have been a little, or a little kind of effect, scary. Or effective, yeah. yeah. So that. that I'm like, okay, so maybe they're leaning a little harder into trying to make the visuals maybe st- PG scary, you yeah. Know, but still like, so cool. Um, I like the director, Justin Simeon. He did mm-hmm. Dear White People, which I yeah. really, really liked. Uh, he also did Bad Hair, which was good, but not you know as great as Dear White People. Um, so this is actually kind of a blending of those two films because Bad Hair was all about it was a horror movie and it was about like African-American women and the love they put into their hair and things can go wrong with that. So, and then dear white people was obviously you can kind of tell from the title, a little bit of racial commentary on a Mm -hmm. college campus. So this film looks like, and I'm sure there again, it's Disney. They're not going to pound it into you, but there does look like there could be some, racial type thing. Cause it is, you know, Rosario Dawson, her kid, like, so there could be like an element. Cause instead of, I guess actually though, the original, the, the haunted mansion with Eddie Murphy, it was an African American family, mm-hmm. but still just Justin Simeon handing that, handling that subject yeah. matter. And then with a little bit of scare element, which he definitely could do with bad hair. It, the combination of the haunted mansion being probably my favorite ride at, at Disney Absolutely. world. Yep. And then the director and the cast, I just think, has me kind of excited. I mean, like, yeah. do I think it's going to be amazing? No. But do I think it could just be a fun movie and maybe that extra half star over just, okay, mm-hmm. yes, I think it has that potential. And a lot. hopefully all the jokes weren't spoiled in the trailer. But, yeah. you know, I, Lakeith Stanfield I do like Lakeith is Stanfield somebody quite a that bit. he, so far for me, has batted a thousand. I can't mm. think of something he's been in that I haven't really liked. He was in Sorry to Bother You. He was in Judas and the Black Messiah, which, yeah. And so it's like, I don't feel like he's like, oh, yeah, what he, I really he, want to do is a Disney film. So he's done Selma. He's done Knives Selma. Out. Oh, um, Knives Out. Yeah, yes, he's done Knives he Out. He's really good in Knives Short Out. Short Term 12. I didn't, I think he had a very oh, small role wow. in Short Term 12. Okay. Sorry to Bother You. Um, yeah, no, he's... Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, the harder they fall. I never oh, saw yeah, that. Oh yeah, that was one. good too. Was yeah, good? he was yeah. good in that. Yeah, it's on okay. Netflix. Right. So it's he, he's the type of person that I just feel like he picks various interesting roles, and his signing on to do a Disney film. And I wonder if it's the director who kind of got him linked mm-hmm. in because Justin Simmons seems like he might have been like, "Hey, come do this." He may have wanted to work with him. Um, yeah, I just I'm interested in the cast, the director. 
the trailer did it work. It makes me curious. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious as well. I, I, you know, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of CGI in the trailer. I, I, I'd love it if it was a film that hey, could kind of, I would love a, I would love a true haunted house movie, like a haunted mansion movie using a lot more practical effects and just being truly like creepy in that way. I'd, and I just, I, I, every time I see CGI stuff going on in a horror movie, it's like, ah, uh, just kind of, kind of ruins it for me. But I do think this will be an enjoyable time. I think it'll be fun. I, I don't think it's going to be quantum mania level. Well, CGI, no, no, so. but there was enough in there to say, uh, okay. I wish they didn't do that. Um, the best, the best way to have a fun, scary, like a slightly scary. I'm talking like Ghostbusters level scary. Okay, that's what okay. I, I kind of pick up from this vibe. Is yeah, it's gonna have a couple of moments. It'll be a little on the scarier side, uh, but nothing, nothing too over the top. Sure. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm look, I'm looking forward to it. I do love the Haunted Mansion ride. It is my favorite ride as well. Um, don't ask me why I never saw the Eddie Murphy version. I don't know why I never got around to seeing it. I, I did. And it was because I loved the ride so much. It yeah. was, but it was very family. Or, it was a know, much so more kitty friendly. I didn't care for it. This one hopefully might push it just a little bit more. Maybe make it a little more, a uh, little more interesting, but that is the haunted mansion. It comes out in July okay. to theaters and it is a Disney movie. So gotcha. it'll get a big push come July for sure. All right, well, that wraps up our trailer tapas section of the show where we had our two trailers we've shared. Normally at this time, Chris, we get to the end of the show and we like to talk about our recommendations. As I copped up to at the beginning of the show and I'm saying to you now, uh, I have nothing. I have watched nothing I can recommend. Uh, The films I have watched the last few weeks have all been Oscar-nominated films that we've either already talked about or will be talking about probably in the future. Uh, but unfortunately I, uh, will, I, I, I can't give any recommendation of anything sure. new. I just, I'm drawing a blank on it. So I'm going to leave it to you to carry the weight on this one. What do you have as a recommendation, a film that you think is worth checking out, or maybe you've revisited, you found, finally took off your watch list <laughs> or, uh, or even something new that maybe has come up that you want to call attention to. What, what is today's film? So I'm going to read you the description first and see if you can tell me what film I'm talking about. All right. A publishing executive is visited and bitten by a vampire and starts exhibiting erratic behavior. He pushes his secretary to extremes as he tries to come to terms with his affliction. The vampire continues to visit and drink his blood and his madness deepens. Um, That would be the movie Vampire's Kiss. Yes, and you looked at my letterbox. I did look at your notes. No, I looked at your notes actually right over here on the (laughs) side. Okay, that's also fair. Um, So yeah, I'm going to recommend Vampire's Kiss. Would I say this is a good movie? No. Would I say it was okay or fine? No. So you say, well, why are you recommending this? Because for me, I've heard the legend of the main actor, Nick Cage, about his performance in this movie, and that alone made me curious. It was available for free, the service Tubi, T-U-B-I, that you can stream movies. You do have to watch a little bit of commercials, but it's free, folks. And if you're curious about a complete unhinged performance by Nicolas Cage from 1988, Vampire's Kiss is what you want to watch. Um, It is relatively short. I think it's 103 minutes, so it's less than two hours. Um... And it's just one of those things you can't believe it got made, A. (laughs) B, 
you are just Nicolas Cage is in one film and everybody else is, <laughs> is a completely different film. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of, it's a train wreck of a film, but Nicolas Cage is giving you to, okay. Like until <laughs> Leslie, Andrew Riseborough, you're like, she's giving like a performance. It gets noticed. He is giving a outsized outlandish, totally huge performance in every scene, trying bunches of random different things from bulging out his eyes to an accent that seemingly comes from nowhere, not really explained, don't know why he's doing it. And it kind of fades in and out a little bit. Like hmm. just, it is, it is weird. I think this is one of the first instances too, where he does the like yelling to upstreams and pointing at the ceiling that he would later do in a wild at heart for David Lynch. He mm-hmm. jumps up on a desk at one point, like just, and like the other actors, I feel like are just like okay, <laughs> like you know, it's like wow. we knew that was on the script on the page, but the way this is coming across, and apparently the director Robert Bierman never seen any of his other films, and legend has it that he and Cage were didn't get along on this, and I can imagine because the director might have been like, hey, <laughs> like I'm trying to make a little more grounded movie here, and you're right, you're, right. yeah, and the thing is. Was he trying to make a horror movie? Was he trying to make a comedy? Was he trying to make a thriller? I don't think, I don't, who knows? I don't think he was going after a comedy, but I think maybe that's what Nicolas Cage wanted to make it. Mm-hmm. Just just not sure. Um, not, well, I'm not, curious. For, not for children. Okay. <laughs> um, and a lot of stuff is troubling in the movie because there's a lot of like, because of when it was made, 1988. So treatment of women, not mm. great at all. Yeah. Um, but just it's to me, it was worth watching for Nicolas Cage's performance. This guy went on to win an Oscar. <laughs> so and he I think nobody would say, oh, Nicolas Cage can't act. But this is obviously a film earlier in his career, but it's just like, what is happening? Like it you could see it as a Saturday Night Live skit. Like it's just mind blowing. So uh the recommendation, Vampire's Kiss from nineteen eighty eight, starring Nicolas Cage, and it's on Tubi. For free. All right. So just keep in mind, Chris is not recommending it from a quality perspective. He's not saying this is going to change your life if you watch this film. (laughs) He's calling it out and recommending it for the spectacle of it. It's kind of like when I recommend, I haven't done one of these recommendations in a while, but I have done one before. Velocipastor is a previous recommendation I've made. I do remember that. Um, That was classic. Or Psycho Gorman is another recommendation I've made. Classic Chris Fry recommendation. So these are recommendations that. You know, you take with a grain of salt, but it's like, if it sounds intriguing to you, then go for it. All right. Well, that is what we've got then. Vampire's Kiss, starring Mr. Nick Cage, is Chris's recommendation on Tubi. Yes. So it's free. (laughs) Free on Tubi. All right. Well, again, that that one I think makes up for two, uh, makes up for my recommendation as well. So we're going to just go on that one. That may be what I have to check out this weekend. Uh, maybe I need to watch that like post Oscar ceremony oh. next weekend, just because I feel like I'm probably going to need to like, just, I can like put the Oscars to bed. I've seen all the Academy Award nominated films. Now I just want to go completely the opposite direction yeah, and watch something is, really. It, okay. Yeah. On that tack, it's kind of a cleansing the palate of all these like, you know, Oscar highbrow films. And then you just watch something that's like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not that it's not a big before. Oh, it is. But it's just like, what is happening? So yeah, it's a good kind of palate cleanser. If you think the Oscars are to too do. high and mighty, then right. Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. That may be what I do then. So, okay. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Creed three to Leslie Tetris movie, 
Haunted Mansion, Vampire's Kiss. That is the assortment of films that were discussed (laughs) in this past hour or so. Now, Chris, before we uh, wrap up, you know, we always give people an opportunity if they want to give us their thoughts on any of these films, both ones we've reviewed or ones we've talked about coming out soon. Uh, Any opportunities to talk about that? Uh, How can people reach us in that situation? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. Follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. As mentioned, we're also on Letterboxd. Alan's at Alan Jackson. I'm Chris Fry. We were fortunate enough to get our names. Yes. First and last names. This is true. Uh, You can give us a star rating, write a review, share with your friends on whatever service you receive your podcast so that we can get more listeners. We'd appreciate it. Spread the word about the show. Alan mentioned and uh, at the beginning of the show, and I'm bound to also mention the 2023 Foot Candle Film Festival is going to be September 18th through the 24th. So kind of put that on your calendar, a save the date type thing, because we'd love to have you join us here in Hickory, North Carolina for that festival. Absolutely. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will look forward to talking to everybody next time here on Foot Candle Films. Take care. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.